Welcome to the Linked Up Church podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, we have an insightful message from Dr. Caroline Leaf and Michelle Williams entitled, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Trust me, this one's going to be a blessing. Dr. Leaf, my friend. Oh, my friend. We are going to really help understand the mind and how to move forward. So we're going to talk about, I'm going to let's set the stage with Jesus in the garden and how Jesus, who could be better to teach us about mental health? Okay, so we're going to look at that from a different angle. We're then going to talk about how to lead from the heart, okay, and how that relates to the mind. We're going to talk about how to manage grief. And we're going to try and touch on stress. So it's a lot to get through. And I can talk fast, but I'll talk slow. <laughs> I'll try. So I'm going to start by just setting the stage and taking us back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus models the... Please be seated. I was going to say, I, w- I love being in church and say, y'all, please be seated. Please take You're your so seats. You're so polite. Sorry, I just dived in. Take your seats, people of God. You need take to take your seats, your seats and put Amen. your seatbelt on like T.D. Jake says. You know, get ready, get ready, get ready. Okay? <laughs> And remember, if I speak fast, I actually increase your intelligence because you listen faster and you process quicker. So dive in and listen. Okay, so Jesus models the, is the best model of mental health, as I mentioned. If you think of it, Jesus teaches us that the first thing that we have to do in dealing with our mind is get into the garden. Capture those thoughts. What does capturing a thought mean? It means facing what that internal narrative is in your mind. What are you saying to yourself? What are those intrusive thoughts? What is popping up into your mind every moment of the day? As a neuroscientist, I want to know, can we do that? And yes, we can. Every 10 seconds, we are able to get in the garden and face what we are thinking about. So when Jesus got in the garden, Jesus was demonstrating for us how we should be living our life, which is one of facing the issues in order to go through the issues, in order to get them onto the cross, in order to rise again with our story in our hands. So we recognize that each and every one of us has a unique story. There is no cookie-cutter way of saying that if this happens to you, this is going to be how you will react. Because each and every one of us is so completely unique and complex. And only you can walk your journey. So when you are facing stuff, which is all the time, every day you're going to face stuff. Every day you're using your mind, which is 99% of you, your mind being your spirit and your soul, you're using your mind to process the experiences of life. And as you process the adverse experiences of life and and the good ones, they go into your brain. So your mind grabs the experience and it shows up in your brain and changes your brain. It becomes a physical product. Then it looks like a tree. Your brain then sends the message to your body, to every cell, and you have 37 to 100 trillion cells, to then store a replica of that information, which is data, which are memories inside the thought in every cell of your body. I know that's hard to imagine, but it's a change in your genetic code. So every cell is changing. And your mind, which is your spirit and your soul, is driving this process. So when we are faced with adverse experiences, we can't ignore them. They're going to go into us. So what's really important is that we become very proactive and preemptive in how we process what's going in and how we respond to what is already inside of us. And this is where bringing all thoughts into captivity and renewing the mind is a lifestyle, not an optional now and then kind of thing to do. It is an all the time thing. And the way that you are facing something, so we, all of us have faced the pandemic, etc. it's the same thing, but we've all experienced it in our own unique way. So you, are, have, you have your story, not just about the pandemic, about all the other things that are going on in your life. And that is each of us, all of our own unique stories. So Jesus demonstrates this, that we've got to face it. It's not going to go away. That 
is experienced by your mind, but it shows up in your brain and your body. And your mind, brain, and body, your spirit, soul, and body together are how you express yourself in life. And when it's messy, the expression is messy in our brain and body. The expression is messy out there. But the beauty is that we, as we face it, as we go through it with the support, it will get worse. Why? Because when things get, when you start seeing the cause of what the issue is, it causes tremendous grief, tremendous pain. And it's hard to deal with our stuff. And in our current, um, our current world, we are told immediately, as soon as you have any kind of emotional uh, reaction, you've got an illness. And then you're not allowed to process it. It gets suppressed. It gets stuck in a box of diagnosis. You get labeled. You get stuck. And then you wonder why you're not healing. And then this volcano is erupting and another one and another one and your life falls apart. And Jesus is saying, no, hey, get in the garden. Fall apart with me in the garden. Accept that it's going to get worse. Accept that then when it's bad, but then it's going to get even worse. You're going to get crucified. And there's going to be more pain. But that pain is revelatory. That pain, that pain is freeing. That pain will lead to your resurrection. And you will rise with your story in your hand. You cannot change what's happened to you, but you can change what's in you. So now I'm going to do a quick demo, and then we're going to dive in. Michelle and I together are going to explain some stuff to you. you need the okay, picture? I need the picture too. Okay. I'm her armor bearer too. <laughs> and I'm going to be yours in a moment. Okay, so now I hope you guys can see this. We're going to zoom in on this. I have a little black stone here, and this little black stone represents whatever you are going through in your life. Maybe it's the grief of the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it is a, a, a family issue that's happening that's been going on for years. Maybe there's whatever. Everyone has got something. Put up your hands. Everyone has something. Maybe there's multiple things. And that's okay. Guys, it's okay to be a mess. That's what Jesus says. He was a mess in the garden. Jesus experienced the depression, the anxiety, the frustration, the fear, all of those things that you and I go through. Jesus said, it's okay. That's me designed. I have the way I've designed you, the way God has designed you is that those are when you face them, that's how you get control. Those emotions are warning signals, those feelings in your body, those behavioral changes, those perspectives of that life sucks. That's not who you are. That is because of. So we've got to get in the garden to find the because of. So here's this. And when we are immersed in that grief, when initially things are, are so bad, we feel consumed. It feels like this is everything. There's no space around that pain. We feel completely and utterly consumed. And this is kind of the first step into the garden. And this is often where people don't want to. They want to move away. And this is where the Holy Spirit starts sending us gentle little nudges, nudges that are things like those emotions that you're feeling. Embrace them. That depression, that bodily symptom, that pain in your gut, those changes in your behavior. Listen to those. I know they're consuming, but those are me. How I have designed you to hear me. Tune into wisdom. If you tune into wisdom, which is in the garden, which is facing these issues, tune into me through those signals. I will help you process through. And it will get worse, but that's okay because in the mess we can repair and grow together. And you will rise with that story. Always remember, you can't change what's happened, but you can change what's in you. You see, your brain changes in response to what you're going through, but that does not have to be your future. You've got to get in the garden to make the change. So it may land up as a toxic tree inside of you. And you may recall from the last time, two times I was here, I showed you that toxic thoughts are real structural protein things. And these proteins are all distorted and things, all the proteins are messed up and the glial cells which are support cells in the brain go to this area and they try and fix it and if we don't fix this it messes up everything in the brain and the body and our vulnerability to illness and disease increases over time and our immune system function drops and you do not want that especially in a pandemic you don't want that at any time and that's what we spoke about a little bit last time about the fear factor we've got to be very careful of fear so we need to get in the garden in a safe space and we need to let this consume us for a moment because that is okay to be okay with this. Be okay with your mess because Jesus says to you, God made you in his image. God made you in his image. You are made in the image of God. Godness. I don't even like to say his because God is so much bigger than that. God is Godness. God made us in God's image. You are wisdom. 
Because God is wisdom. At the core of you, you are wisdom. As a neuroscientist, we've seen in the psychoneurobiology, in other words, in the brain and the body, that there's nothing in you that isn't designed for wisdom. So therefore, anything that threatens wisdom, a.k.a. this little black stone in this cup, whatever that represents in your life, threatens your survival. So God knew, because when God gave us the ability to think, feel, and choose, I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life, and we don't always do that, God knew that. So God accommodated that in our design. So as we mess up, the only way to make our design work for us, our mind, brain, and body to work for us, is to be okay with the mess. Because as soon as you're okay with the mess and you embrace it, you will find the message in the mess and you will then step into the arms of wisdom and you will activate your wisdom and you'll start your journey through the garden and you will scream out to God and that's fine and as you move through the garden something very miraculous happens space starts being created make a clunking noise there look it's the same issue but there is space being created around the issue. As we step into the wisdom of God, as we gather awareness of our issues, as we embrace them and bring them into our fold, as we look at the warning signals of our emotions and our behaviors and our bodily symptoms and our perspective, as we take them to the table and we scream out to God, so space is being created. And when we have space, we have perspective. And when we have perspective, we get wisdom. And when we have wisdom, we start having peace in the midst of chaos. We start realizing it's okay to be a bit depressed and it's okay. I don't have to walk around pretending that God is a genie and that I'm just going to slap on these pass the buck prayers, as I also call them. Oh, I'll pray for you. And then, you know, like it's just, I said the prayer, now God do the work. You do the work. Jesus did the work in the garden. You've got to create the space. And Michelle held my hand, and I held hers, and Mac held mine, and I held Mac's, and you hold each other's hands, and Pastor Trish and Pastor Joel hold each other's hands, and you so you go through the garden, and then you get to the point of resurrection. Michelle, I need you to hold that, so that I can do this. Thank you. Thank you. So now you get to the point where you are on the cross and you are rising. Look at the space you have created. That issue has been reconstructed as you get onto the cross. You have space around it, the same issue. When people lose a loved one, people often say time heals. That's like the worst thing we can say. Time does not heal. That grief never goes away. But what happens is you get more space around the grief. So you learn how to manage it. So your story will never go away, but you will learn how to manage it. You will learn how to change the way it is inside of you so it changes how it plays out in the future. And when you do that, you actually change the physical structure in your brain. You are in a Genesis moment. You have creative power. You have the mind of Christ. You have the ability in the garden to take this toxic tree and uproot it and no energy is ever lost in the brain and the body. And you can convert it and reconceptualize it into this. So Michelle, if you don't mind holding up this for me, and this, this is this, where this has converted from there by change, creating the space, and we've changed what it looks like inside of the brain. And you have changed every cell of your body because now you have reconstructed every cell of your body through the change and the work you did in the garden. So that's the foundation, and now we're gonna dive in together. So now... Wow. Yes. You can put that up I don't even know why I'm up here. Even yesterday. <laughs> because, because you have an amazing story. Michelle, you had a point where you were like this. Tell us about this and how oh. the space was created. Oh, wow. Yes, yes, yes. So, again, um, great morning uh, to everybody here. Um, I would say my uh, journey with depression, um, I got a formal uh, diagnosis in 2012, 2013. Um, but when we traced it back, it was traced back all the way to around the seventh grade, 12 years old. So my work didn't make me depressed. Destiny's Child didn't make me depressed. So before y'all were like, oh my God, Hollywood makes, no, 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 no. Now this was followed me into my career, seventh grade. Um, let's fast forward to 2018, um, where it was a really, really, really interesting moment. When you talk about it gets worse before it gets better, um, pain precedes growth. Um, so it's going to hurt. Can you imagine if a rose garden actually had nerves and could feel when it's being pruned? 
and the pain that it would cause when you're being pruned and cut, but something beautiful comes um, after pain. If you're able to do the work. I came down here to um, Atlanta, Georgia in 2018 after such a public year of great things and then you know, some sad things, engagement, um, and then that, that failed. I had two breakdowns. 2018 of July, I found myself checking into a treatment facility for depression. Um, at the end of 2018, I kind of had a worse um, situation that happened. Um, and then I came here to Atlanta. My cousin, Brittany Phillips, that's in the house today, she's also a therapist. Um, she, she, she saw what was going on and brought me here and I've been here uh, ever since I, like I said yesterday, Brittany Phillips and Dr. Caroline Leaf are, my, are on my Mount Rushmore of helping me to transform. Fast forward to 2019-ish or something, um, I did the 21 day brain detox with Dr. Caroline Leaf. We went live every day on my Instagram because I wanted people to see what it was like to sit face to face with a practitioner so that you'd know that you can actually process and unpack trauma. You are, it's okay to unpack pain. Um, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody that's a different hue, but I didn't know black people went to therapy. I just thought we go to church, we pray about it, and that's it. And so what I noticed is, or you were told that you're not praying enough, you ain't in your word enough. Well, if you stopped dating Ray Ray, you wouldn't be in this type of predicament. Now, I do agree, sometimes Ray Ray, Nisha, and all them can contribute to some of the pain. So I'm with you, Mother Jenkins, when you said if you get, with, get rid of Ray Ray, you'll be happy. I, I do agree. I do agree. No, I'm just playing. Um, but um, some of the work that had to happen, the therapy, the working out, um, and I just recall moments where I just would be in the bed for weeks, be in the bed for weeks, not talking to anybody. Um, but I'm so thankful, um, hopeless not wanting to live. How could you be so successful and, and be in such um, a sad state? You know, and so we discovered some unmet needs, some things of the heart, a stony heart um, that can lead to some depression when you don't get to talk about your problems. Sometimes in your household, you better not air out the dirty laundry because we wanna appear that we're perfect and that we're okay, but mama and daddy are fighting like cats and dogs. And so that child has anxiety because they don't know, is this gonna be the fight that lands you in jail? Is this gonna be the fight where somebody ends up dead? You just, the children are in a state of anxiety. They're being bullied. They don't know how to articulate they're being bullied. They're being abused in all types of ways, but we've swept it under the rug. Now, we vacuum on top of the rug, but if you have you ever lifted up a rug, old nickels, salt and pepper packets, how did it get there? How did it get there? How did it get there? And so that's what Dr. Leaf helps us to unpack. How did it get there? and how we can release it. And I'm so grateful that you say we are not what happened to us, but we are responsible for everything in us. Absolutely, thank you, Michelle. And that's just a brief part of her story. And she, she just read a, released a beautiful book called Checking In that is just beautiful. And there are some, on, I think they, most of them are sold out, but, but we're gonna make sure that if you wanna get them, there's a special on Mac can tell you about that, go to the table to end. But she has an incredible story. And the reason I wanted Michelle to share her story is because Michelle got in the garden and it was years. In and yeah, out the garden. It was, it was years in and out the garden. Like I said, 2012, 2013, I believe that's when I started going to therapy. But I would go to vent. Brittany, you're a therapist. We come and vent. You listen to us. And some therapists have various techniques where they'll, they'll give you instructions and some do listen. But some will say, okay, I need you to go do this homework. And, but I wouldn't do it. I would just go because I needed to talk, and that's okay. 
But it wasn't until I, when I got here, I really found somebody that just helped. We did my geneogram, and so we realized that even how my parents were raised affects their parenting. And the healing, the most healing thing that my mother could have ever said to me was, baby, we were just doing the best we knew how. So this is not to shade parents or to um, uh, talk down um, on my parents, but now that now, Sundays like this, it can't be an excuse now because we're given the tools. Are we going to get angry and you going to take it out on little, on little uh, Carter? See, now we have names like Carter. We went from Ray Ray to Carter. We went from Tanitra to Ashland. Tanitra's my first name. Michelle's my middle name. So I, I, my heart goes out to parents where you and your husband or you and your wife are going through something and then it trickled down into your kids and then your kids now um, resolve conflict the way they saw you resolve conflict or they don't know how to resolve conflict because they didn't see y'all resolve conflict. There was a don't talk household. Don't talk about your problem. We just go eat dinner like nothing happened. So we have to be, we're undoing all of those behaviors exactly we have to unpack we have to be open we have to level the playing field mental health i don't even talk about mental illness because it's not a disease you don't need a disease to validate the pain of something going through that you've gone through in childhood and as a parent i mean i'm a parent of four and there's so many things that i have done unintentionally that have hurt my kids and i've had to face that reality so we have leveled the playing field in our home we encourage our kids to talk it out only three percent of leaders are talking about mental health only four percent of churches are talking about mental health so hats off to this church for doing this meanwhile if you're alive which you are and if you're a human which you are you are battling with your mental health every moment of every day you are battling if you think of trauma on a scale of one to ten not all of us are having tens every day the real bad stuff but we have tens in our life we have eights in our life you know what i mean by the numbers one would be something that's not so complex like a bad comment on social media it's example I used yesterday, and Ted would be a maybe terrible childhood where you see your parents potentially maybe even killing each other or the danger's always there. That's extreme. And so as Michelle said, for the parents in the house, I'm a parent. I mean, there's such guilt that I've gone through and I've taken that guilt in the garden and I've processed through realizing that I did the best I could in that moment. But what I can do is own the impact on my kids and allow them to be able to express themselves and get it out there and it makes for difficult parenting because you're going to deal with but it's the best kind of parenting it's the best kind of it makes for a difficult life because everyone's talking but the difference is what Michelle said she vented but she didn't move forward Jesus says vent but also move progress there's time involved there's a race to run there is and this and that's what I found from my research is that you your mind brain body God has designed in such a way that to rewire your neural networks it takes cycles of 63 days and I've had some patients who've taken multiple cycles up to two years three years because as they get down and as they dig deep I mean Michelle was a sort of two three from the age of, of 12 it yes. was a long journey where and you didn't know about all the science of it but you were going through a very long journey these are not quick journeys and they're not going to stop because every childhood issue every adolescent every adulthood every it's not just children Children, I mean, a childhood that causes problems, it's your entire life that you're going to, every day you're going to experience adversity. And that is why Jesus, God says so clearly, bring all thoughts into captivity. You make about eight to 10,000 thoughts a day. Those are informed by 20,000 plus. Wow. So you need, to, you need to bring at least 30,000 thoughts a day to God. Are you doing that? That's prayer. That's the getting in the garden. We need to live in the, and I'm not saying live, the garden is, is trauma work, but we need to be every moment carrying this process over. So if you're in a conversation, how is your body language? What are you saying? What photons are you generating? If I'm coming from a toxic place and I'm sitting there with a smile, but I've got toxic feelings towards that person, that's what that person's feeling under your smile. And there's cognitive dissonance. There is, because the truth does come out. It comes out somewhere. You might be saying one thing, but the truth is coming out through your, for you, through your photons. That's how God has designed us. So we, and that's damaging to your brain. 
and to that person. So the other person's brain. So you've got to bring all thoughts into captivity. And what we want to do now is we want to talk about leading from the heart. Michelle and I had an amazing discussion in the car yesterday. We drove for hours all over the place. We had such a beautiful (laughs) afternoon of sharing. And... And Atlanta traffic is very interesting. Thank goodness I had my friend to be with me to talk me talk me through this. I can't sit down very long. I stand you to better stand. have your lap scarf. I tell you, there you go. I'm really super elegant here. So somebody's church about... mother must have got a hold to you one day and said, "Mother, <laughs> come to me, mommy over there." <laughs> Oh gosh! I, I never, it. I never wear dresses. Literally, it is like I own one dress. Amazing. So today I put a dress on. But thank goodness Diane was looking after Come me. See, on, for the, <laughs> it's not, it's not a stitched one. It's just a good old regular one. one. There you go. That's, That's all right. Job. It matches what you have on. <laughs> we have so much fun together. Oh, uh, we we do. really, really do. Now, what am I talking about? Leading from the heart. We had a whole conversation about leading from the heart. So we want to go into that now to try and give you some sort of practical, where do we go from here? You know, kind of thing. And, and there's lots to say. I can, as you all know, if you don't know, mm-hmm. I can talk for 100 hours without stopping. But let's kind of condense it yeah. into 20 minutes. Leading from the heart does not just have to apply to actual leaders. Meaning you don't have to have the title of leader to lead from the heart. Now, when it comes to leaders, sometimes you are taught not to lead from the heart. Um, uh, don't, don't get it. Observe, don't absorb. Meaning, when a person tells you about their problems, don't, don't take it all in. And, and before you know it, you know you should have released them and terminated them. But because you absorbed their problem, you feel sorry for them, and you let them continue to uh, 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 be toxic in your environment for years because you decided to absorb. So I'm not, there's a difference, right? You have to use wisdom, discernment, of course. So leading from the heart. But what does leading from the heart just look like without titles? All of us in here can lead from the heart, leading our lives with how we treat people, with, with the decisions that we make. And sometimes with Dr. Lee, I just want to talk about nail polish. But sometimes she'll get into the science of the polish. And before you know it, what you chose with the nail polish had to do with your mind. And so I'm discovering the heart is really your mind. The mind. So we talk about the heart because it just seems so warm, you know, and, that, and little hearts and all that kind of stuff. So let me move this up. Oh, there goes my little, I'll stand. We got it. Okay. <laughs> so there is a little mini brain in the heart of 40,000 plus neurons. There is a connection to the front of the brain. The front of the brain becomes very active in response to you getting deeply insightful and making decisions and that kind of stuff, which is where wisdom is what, you know, wisdom is looking at all the situation and in context and making the best decisions based on all the information. And what we see is that our brain and body are responding to how the mind, which is the spirit and the soul, is basically receiving um, the environment, whatever's going on in the environment. So when we talk about leading from the heart, it's not that the heart's now making you do something. If you're dead, your heart does nothing. When you're alive, your heart's pumping blood, it's releasing hormones, it's basically getting oxygen and blood to your brain, etc., etc. And it also is involved when we, when we, with our mind, make a good decision, step into wisdom, it releases certain hormones that make us feel a sense of peace to our body. So the, the beautiful way that God's created us is that we get these responses in our brain and our body because our spirit and our soul uses the brain and the body so that you can show up as a whole human. Okay, so if you're dead, none of that is happening. When you die, actually, you weigh a little bit less because your spirit and your soul actually move out of you, okay, which is really interesting. Okay, it's, and it's a, it's a small little portion, but it's, your mind is driving everything. So your brain and body are driven and powered by your mind. Like you power your computer, you plug it in, you charge it, you charge your cell phone. Our mind is what's charging our body. And our mind is made of wisdom and is being charged by the Spirit of God. So when we talk about leading from the heart, what we're really doing 
is talking about tuning into the wisdom that is at our core being, the wisdom of our biology, brain and, and body, the wisdom of our mind, which we often talk about as being the optimism bias in science. And that wiseness in us really only operates properly when we consciously and deliberately tune into God. How is it cultivated? Does everybody have wisdom? Everybody has well, wisdom. Like everybody it, is made in the image of God. But we don't activate our wisdom. That's the issue, Michelle. So leading from our heart is activating that wisdom. How can I constantly activate that wisdom? I've got to bring every thought into captivity. That means that every moment that I'm awake, talking to you, talking to my kids, talking to Matt, doing what I'm doing, doing my research. I need to be monitoring, self-regulating. How am I thinking, feeling, and choosing? What thoughts are going through my head? What narrative am I going spinning around? What are those intrusive thoughts? Are these aligning with God? Because each one of those is revelatory. It's telling you how you're looking at something. And if it's toxic that's popping up, I need to question this toxicity. How established is this? Is this, is this a pattern in my life? Why is it a pattern in my life? Why am, I got to get in the garden. Okay, so I'm not saying that all day long you get in the garden because you wouldn't be functional. What I'm saying is it's a lifestyle that you train yourself into. And I've shown with my research that you can, you can become 81% proficient at this within a nine-week period. And then that proficiency can increase. So I'm talking about leading a life of prayer. And prayer is, isn't prayer talking to God? Okay, so I'm talking about every 10 seconds talking to God. I'm talking about how am I conducting myself right now? How am I conducting myself when I'm, when, what's the impact on you? In talking to my husband when we drive, drive to the airport or something like that. What am I saying? How am I saying it? Responding on an email. What am I saying? How am I, do you see what I'm saying? That is what we want to capture and bring into captivity. What, what about the, what, like the household of just saying whatever? Like I can't, I couldn't fight a man but my words could. Okay, so and it's kind of like, that's from the heart, but it's a pattern too of maybe what you saw growing up. But some of us, we just say thoughts, we just say things. So here, let's oh. bring this. So these get established. So here is the data. I don't this, do that now, guys, by the way. No, no, no. We're perfect do now, aren't we? Not perfect, but I don't <laughs> I'm just do joking. that anymore. Yeah. We are, it's okay not to be perfect because Somebody God designed out there, you to be they say someone in here. Yeah, someone in here. Yeah. So this is the thought tree. This is the established, this produces the patterns in your life. This thought tree is made of memories. The memories are the data. Data are the facts and the emotions. Okay, and this, this part over here is the interpretation, how you uniquely have interpreted the situation. That's the processing. This is the root, the origin, the source. So as a child, if you constantly see a certain pattern, you then process in a way, you interpret in a way, and this manifests as, I'm only gonna survive if a male says X or a person says X. In other words, when you are triggered, this is what is activated. It's a coping strategy, it's a trauma response, but it's not sustainable. So because this interpretation is distorted because of the distortion of the source. So when we get in the garden, we want to look at those. How do we find those? Leading from the heart is yeah. communicating with God so that you look at the patterns of your life, which will then, and then you tune into the detail of the patterns in order to deconstruct and reconstruct. That's what I'm talking about. So these are tremendous evidence in your life. Become a thought detective. Become Poirot or whoever, you know who Poirot? Poirot is, you know, the, the detective? No one, Poirot, Poirot, the detective. Okay, Sherlock Holmes. Okay, Sherlock Holmes. You are your own Sherlock Holmes. You're a thought detective, Michelle. So what we do is we tune into God and we say, God, I know that I am now very snappy. Um, there seems to be a pattern. Why am I doing this? I don't feel bad about myself. I don't go into condemnation and guilt because those emotions are, gonna, are, are oh, going to drown me back. I'm going to grab the, the guilt. I'm going to grab the condemnation. I'm going to say, yeah, those are wrong. That snapping and irritability is wrong, but I'm going to grab that and I'm going to see it as a signal. I'm going to embrace it, get in the garden and say, okay, God, I need to walk a journey. Why am I doing this? Because God tells me that I'm amazing. God tells you that you're amazing. You're wired for love. So that irritability is not you. It is because of and if it's a regular pattern, there is an established reason. So if you want to change that behavior in your life, you're not going to pray it away. 
with just a scripture. That's the band-aid. You're going to pray it away by getting in the garden and doing the work of finding the because of. See? And as you do the deliberate daily, and I recommend it from my research and clinical application and 38 years, I've got a kind of a little bit of experience under my belt. We, you've got to, you've got to, you should be working on the big patterns at least daily, uh, at least seven to, 50, seven to 45 minutes a day. I do it when I'm getting ready. Every day of my life, I am detoxing something in cycles of 63 days. Those are the big patterns. Then there's the little things, like you said. Suddenly we'll get, you know, we'll, we'll, someone will say something and we get irritated and there's no major pattern there. It's just that you, you made a mess. So own the mess and say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to snap at you. I just kind of got too much on my plate at the moment and that's why I did it. That's, so there's, there's the same thing. That's the same concept. I quickly get in the garden. I own the fact that I have reacted like that. I don't feel good. The person doesn't feel good. So I gather awareness. I reflect on it. I can, then you go into a process of sort of how can I reconstruct this? And then your action is, I'm sorry. Do you see what I'm saying? So what I've worked out over the years is that we can lead from the heart in a very systematic way. We can get into wisdom. And yesterday I used the analogy of the forest. Remember the trees. So imagine a huge, big, beautiful forest in the middle and jump in whenever you want to, Michelle, just to elaborate on this. Um, there's a green forest growing through the middle and it's perfect. And that forest represents your wisdom. You're made in God's image, your wisdom, everything you need. But you have to live in that forest. Your wise mind has to be very activated in order to manage the messy mind. Because God gave you a messy mind because he gave you free will. God gave us free will. So free will is messy. You're going to make mistakes. You have the ability to respond. Responsibility. You have the ability to react. Okay? Reactability. Okay? So, in other words, that is a beautiful gift. So, God has accommodated in your mental, physical realm that you can make a mess, but you're not designed to stay in the mess. You're not designed to cover it with a bandage. You're not designed to just throw a scripture on it. You're designed to own it, manage it, and move forward. That's leading from the heart. So, then I jump in the middle of the forest into this beautiful green tree that's a green tree that's perfect on the outside are all the other green trees the light colors those of you that here yesterday I told you this analogy but it's a very powerful easy one to apply in your life and all those green trees are all your experiences every experience becomes a tree in your brain okay it becomes a gravitational field in your mind don't worry if you don't understand that and it becomes a gene change in your body those that if you don't deal with it if you don't deal with the toxicity it passes through the generations through the sperm and the ova that's called epigenetics. So the, you, Michelle spoke about how we continue the patterns of our parents. We do. We can go up to, you can track back to generations back, but you, you don't have to because whatever comes through that's toxic that you haven't finished, that you've sent through your kids or that has, been come, has come through from previous generations, you can get in the garden, lead with the heart, get into your wise mind, and you can do the work of deconstructing. You don't we, have to say, oh, well, my parents did this, so therefore I'm going to do this. You can change that. You can change it, and you can be the first that says this stops here exactly this stops here certain responses stop here certain reactions it stops it can stop with you there are certain things that has and will continue to stop with me we can Google so many things that have nothing to do with how we're going to lead ourselves and lead our lives, how we're going to decide to respond, because what we saw growing up was so strong, and you think it's normal. We have normalized dysfunction. Why have we normalized it? Because we survived it. We've gone on to be successful, have great families, we're building wealth and legacy, but that doesn't mean what we had come through, it was not dysfunction. But we just, we, we forget about it because we survived and we came through it. But let's call it what it is. What does Iyanla say? Uh, call a thing a thing. <laughs> okay, dysfunction is definitely dysfunction. And it can stop. It can stop with you. We're not going to be perfect. Denzel Washington said it's about progress, not perfection. I don't know where he got it from a therapist. But that's something that I try to um, live by. Okay, progress, not perfection. But to try to make sure how I'm responding is not because my auntie did it or my mother did it or my dad did it. Because some of that stuff has to stop. 
And it does stop. And that's such, I'm so glad you explained it like that because what has happened is that experience that, that you're nurturing, whatever environment you're in, you are impacted by your environment. Whether you like it or not, you are impacted by your And when I say impacted, you've built your environment into your brain as these. So those sit there and they, the, this is what we operate from. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever you think about the most grows. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You guys know the scriptures. Here's the science, okay? So in other words, what comes through the generation comes through dormant. So this is kind of sealed up in a, in a, in a, in a box, but it's there. And it's activated. What pulls the box down and releases this is by you thinking that, oh, well, my mother did it, my grandfather did it, my, it's in our family, this is how we... That thinking is mind energy that goes there, melts down the box, and boom, this manifests in your life. But that, as Michelle said, doesn't have to be the case because this manifests in your patterns, which is what you say and what you do, how you communicate. And it manifests in everything, your relationships, etc., etc. So you need to look at those bring them into captivity and to break them down, get in the garden and do the deconstruction down to the root system. So that means that you don't have to, I mean, when Michelle talks about you can change it, it stops here. You don't have to live into this. You, you, know, you maybe never knew this. You can recognize it. By recognizing it, you weaken it and you start destroying it. And then by working on it and saying, no, I'm not going to have that pattern. I'm going to spend the 63-day cycle to wire this out and wire in the new way that the next generations will now move towards. That's and that's what you can do. That's the mind of Christ. And I just want to encourage every person sitting in these seats, raise your hand, be honest. If you're feeling like, man, I got a lot of work to do. All of us, let's all, all be honest. Hearing and seeing all this makes you feel, Ooh, I got a lot of work to do. When we have those thoughts, it will even keep you from not even wanting to do anything because you feel like, as there's no way I'm going to be a better woman, a man. There's no way I'm going to do better. But start with one thought. And before you know it, it, can, it will go. It will probably two thoughts. You're gonna, you'll de detoxify two bad thoughts, three bad thoughts, or certain behaviors of how you respond. Just start today, right now, this minute. Just start with one. And allow yourself to keep going, but don't feel like you got to try to do it all, do no, a thousand no. things. It's the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. You know, being, renewing ING is an ongoing thing. So you have permission from your creator to spend your life doing this, which is so beautiful. So you become efficient at really proficient at prayer in doing this. So here is now like a little demonstration and I would fall on the floor if I didn't have a dress, but I'm not gonna fall on the floor. So the first thing, okay, so you're gonna demonstrate for me, okay? So no, no falling, we'll just step in. So here is the garden. Here is that beautiful green part of you. We are drawn to anything that is toxic. Not because we are evil, because we're not. We're made in God's image. We're drawn because we need to restore the balance. We need to restore it's threatening our survival, it's threatening the wired for love mode. So when people watch, you know, terrible things on movies or, or we get caught up with, oh, how could that happen? Or we're so drawn to, it's not because we are drawn to evil, it's because we're, drawn to, because we're evil, it's we're drawn to evil because we want to restore the balance. The mind of Christ, the wisdom, the leading from the heart says, that's wrong, let's fix. But we can get consumed and stuck. If you don't know how to manage yourself in those situations, you get caught up in the social media. We know the Facebook problem that's happened this week where girls' body images and anorexia and everything's increased because of Instagram, because of the consumption of that kind of, so whatever you think about the most, your brain becomes involved with, and you, you merge with that environment. So you can control that. We have to teach our kids from young. We have to teach ourselves that, hey, I recognize that is not the right thing. We've got to have body positivity. We've got to recognize whatever, whatever the issue is. And I'm just using that because it's been all over the news this week, and it's something that I've seen over the years in my work as well, this problem. Okay, so we, we want to have a look at that and say, okay, well, that is an imbalance. I'm going to protect myself, so I have to step away, and I have to get in the garden, yeah. and I have to 
collapse in front of God and say, this is how all of that is affecting me. Whatever it is, I just gave one example. I have to pour it all out because if you don't get it out, you get it in. But notice I'm stepping into the garden. It's safe there. That is where your comfort, your kindness, the love, kindness changes how your physiology works. And I've done a, I've done a whole podcast and teaching on this, but the short version is that when you are kind to yourself, when you, you are operating in love, when you get in the garden, you kind to yourself. You change your neurophysiology and you increase your resilience. So your physical brain and body will now get stronger. And then, so you can now cry and scream and go through the pain, but you're not going to let your body and brain won't let you down. When they're feeling bad, it's really hard. So we've got to, every time something hits us, we've got to immerse ourselves in the garden and we've got to then go through the process of deconstruction and reconstructing. Wow. Embracing, processing and reconceptualizing. And the exact how-to, I don't have time to go any detail here, but I've got an app called the Neuropsych app. I've got books. Michelle's book has got the app, her story in it, and they're available at the back. I don't know if you want to say something no, else, I'm, Michelle. I'm excited. Um, um, uh, and, uh, you know, Checking In is the title of my book. She's got it. Checking Come Into on, the Garden. Checking, checking into In. The garden. Checking Into did. the Garden. And there's three pillars of checking in. Checking in with yourself checking in with others and checking in with God. So as you See? were talking about the garden, that's Self, those, those are others, the three pillars. God. And I wasn't doing those things consistently, which, so now it's checking in, be real, get real about whatever the, the issue is and get into the garden and check in. So you check in with yourself as you get in, as you progress forward, you've got the cross ahead of you and the right, you know what's going to happen. You've got the end of the story. You don't have the details. So that's the checking in with God and then the people supporting you, the disciples. Okay, So you've got to have that support, checking in with others. And so when we do that, we start managing to lead from the heart. So we start Amen. then getting in the garden and from the green part, the beautiful middle part of your forest, your wisdom, you start stepping into that and looking at the issues of your life from that angle instead of going over this side and staring through this and thinking, I am terrible, I am useless, I am a waste of time, I am guilty, I'm condemnation. This is the wrong side of the garden. This is not who you are. I said the last time, this is how you, you this is how you're showing up because of the root system. You have to step in here and you have to look at it like that. Immersed in the arms of love and kindness. And then God helps you let your mind and brain work for you and not against you. Remember, you cannot change what's happened to you, but you can change what's in you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected together. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit linkeduppchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, watch past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkeduppchurch.com or text GET CONNECTED to 833 988
1-800-242-2009. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.